2: Welcome to High Stakes, episode 36. I'm your host, Neil Orford. You can find me on Twitter at PlayerQDFS. High Stakes is produced by Mike Lawrence. You can find him on Twitter at AwesomeYo. And I am here with, I believe I can safely say, the winningest, the most profitable best ball player in the history of best ball. I might be wrong about that, but that's uh, I'm going to say it and I'll, I'll ask Pat if he thinks it's true. I'm here with Pat Corain. You can find him on Twitter at Pat uh, He won Best Ball Mania 3 last year for $2 million on underdog. Uh, the biggest winner that we've ever seen. Of course, he's going to be surpassed unless he wins it again this year. He's going to be surpassed Dexter. There is going to be a $3 million winner on underdog. Uh, but for now, at least I believe Pat's 2 million is the biggest prize we've ever seen in best ball. And I don't think anybody else has surpassed it with volume. Uh, Pat, what do you think? Are, are you the winningest best ball player of all time?
3: I think just with that one win, I did become the winningest. Uh, you know, Liam Murphy, uh, who won the year before, took down another 300k in two different tournaments Saw uh this that. past year so that that was pretty impressive and lots of people um have been crushing in the best ball streets long before i have but you know when the top prize is two million it, it goes a long way
2: but does it hurt you that it's now three million next year you're going to be surpassed right away unless you win it
3: well it does yeah i mean underdog i, I pitched them 1.5 uh they, <laughs> right. they didn't they bring didn't it back a little that. bit yeah yeah. i mean it's, maybe you flatten
2: know. the playoffs payouts record <laughs> yeah <laughs>
3: Yeah. But, you know, I am I am going to be maxing Best Ball Mania for, Um and we'll see. We'll see. All right. So if
2: you if you are at the top of the what, 600,000 people this year, it's even big. What, what was it last year? 450 or so?
3: 451,200. And uh, this year's uh, 600 plus. I forget okay. exactly how much. 630 something maybe.
2: So really so it's it's a lot number like 200,000 is a lot more, but also it's like the same kind of scale, right? It's about it's about this, you know, it's in hundreds of thousands. Uh it's gonna be nearly impossible to win unless you play it perfectly, uh, as as Pat did last year. So uh hopefully, hopefully we can run it back. One of the two of us on the stream. I'll say hopefully one of the two of Yeah, us, one, one of us wins it again sure. next year. Yeah. Um, Pat, I don't think I, I get the impression based on your response on Twitter that you don't believe singing to Matthew Barry about Isaiah Pacheco is the peak of your content career. Do you think you've had a, another peak out, out there?
3: Well, I mean, I did have a Ronald Jones song, which, uh, you know, of the two songs that I've, I've sung, uh, in the, in my fantasy football career, that is, that's where my heart is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. it's the first, you know, you're always going to love your first, uh, song that you sing about fantasy football player. I and uh, it was also about Ronald Jones, who, of course, is is like my favorite player. So, um, yeah, of the, of the two songs, I'll pick that one.
2: I've still got my first ahead of me. The first time that I sing a ditty about a fantasy football player is still ahead of me. Um, Foxy. Actually It'll responded. stick with you. Yeah. I, oh, I. Uh, Fox responded, Ode to Rojo is greater than Pacheco and perhaps even the $2 million win. So he's with you that the Ode to Rojo uh, is the better of the two songs. And, and honestly, I went back and listened to it. He, he actually posted it and I thought, yeah, th- this is the better song. But I thought <laughs> singing to Matthew Barry. I don't think many people have sung on a stream to Matthew Barry, who is like the godfather of fantasy football. Like, uh, you know, he has over a million Twitter followers. I think he's going back to like my early days in fantasy football, 20 years ago, I was listening to Matthew Barry's advice. So kind of cool in yeah, that sense.
3: Pretty, pretty indisputable. He is not the godfather of clapping on time as we learned Correct. Uh, when I was saying the Pacheco song.
2: Yeah, right. Right. Maybe, maybe not his strongest suit is clapping on uh, on, on the time of the video. Um, Pat, just to get to know you a little bit, I like to ask where, where are you from? Do you have any favorite like sports teams or athletes Uh tell me about yourself just a little bit.
3: Yeah, so I'm from Delaware, uh, and that's, I'm in like, that was North Delaware, which is kind of a Philly suburb in a sense, yeah. and uh, most of my friends are all Philly area teams. I never got into the Philly sports, sorry, sorry, producer Mike, um, but uh, yeah, so I kind of followed my dad's, my dad's teams for the most part. Um, he went to UNC, so I grew for UNC, Cleveland Guardians, because he grew up near okay. Cleveland, so Uh, I don't have a football team though. Uh, fantasy football has kind of destroyed the ability to root for any one of these teams consistently. So I just kind of, there's teams that I will have like sort of affinities for, you know, the way they're being run or, you know, particular groups of players and all that. But, um, I do not have a, a rooting interest in the NFL. So it's
2: like, it's an ebb and flow thing based on the personnel yeah. of the, the team at the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, some I'm a Vikings fun. fan. I'm, I'm from Minnesota. I'm a Vikings fan, but like, still like if I have money on the line, I care more about the money than I do about the Vikings. I'm not like such a diehard fan. So, so I get that fantasy football kind of ruining it for you a little bit. I believe I, I heard on a stream that you did maybe, maybe it was a stream you did yesterday. You're living in Brooklyn now. Is that still true?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I've been in New York, uh, since like 2012, um, and moved to Brooklyn in 2020, uh, and yeah, I, I love it here. So still gonna be I will probably I'll probably end up moving within Brooklyn um okay. in the next few months. But but yeah, I, I I enjoy being able to to walk a lot, being close to stuff, being able to like get out of my house and then just be like, I can I can do something, like I don't have to drive anywhere or whatever. So and with, um, with
2: two million dollars in your pocket, you might be able to get a two bedroom in New York in Brooklyn. I, oh, that's a so reddit Right, to, to rent, it. I, yeah, I didn't yeah, buy so it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I, I lived in in Greenpoint for a couple of years. Um, and it's probably my the favorite place that I have lived was probably in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Uh, Greenpoint's awesome. I think, yeah, I, I love yeah. Greenpoint.
3: Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm right further back. south. I'm, okay. I'm in Fort Greene, but okay. cool, uh, cool, cool. Greenpoint's a really cool neighborhood. Yeah, I really like it. Um, all right.
2: Uh, are you? I, I just I'm curious about. Are Are you a big consumer of dfs and or best ball content or are you just uh you're producing so much of it you don't need to consume other people's content
3: i consume it um i definitely consume a lot of uh dfs content because i feel like um like that's an area where i'm more kind of just like listening to what other sharp people have to say about that i kind of sure. came later to dfs um and so and dfs i feel like is so leveled up that like you really do want to be listening to the very the very best, most experienced guys. So, um, you know, I think Mike Leone is a guy that I listen to for that type of stuff. I also listen to his, his ideas on best ball. He had an amazing article out, uh, that's, that's free called the best ball manifesto. Um, and so I do try to consume a lot of content on, on best ball for sure. Um, but I also, sometimes I, I'll just listen to like regular football stuff and that gets me, like sometimes i'm you know i get like a little tired of like just thinking about this one game that we're trying to to beat and so i'll listen to regular football which is a different game you know it's like how do how do you work under the salary cap and all you know you know how are we so so building what do you listen to for that kind well. of stuff
2: and any like anything that you listen to consistently or is that just kind of whatever comes across your timeline
3: kevin cole's kind of my go-to guy for for that he you know he's a he came out of a of Roto-Viz and has uh you know understands all the fantasy football stuff and is a fantasy football guy in some ways, but he's kind of become more recently, like I would say more of like a real football guy, but he, he does it from a very kind of statistical analytical view. Um And so I just yeah. kind of enjoy his, his takes on stuff. So uh, he's right. kind of my go-to for that. But yeah, I mean, the other thing is like, uh, I like dynasty sure. stuff as well. I haven't been in, as active in my dynasty leagues. As I probably should be, but that's kind of another um, you know, another kind of way to like, oh I'll think kind of more about dynasty if I'm a little bit uh you know, best balled out or whatever. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a different game. Yeah, I'm I'm in a one unlimited keeperly i've never done dynasty actually but unlimited keeper is uh still a different type of format i I really enjoy that i am not really into the the real football aspect of stuff like i'm in a group chat with uh some some friends of mine there's a hardcore jaguars fan hardcore steelers fan and then some vikings fans and like they talk about all that stuff and i'm just like i do not care like just like the salary cap implications and stuff i haven't gotten into maybe i will at some point but uh a lot a lot of my friends are very into the the real football stuff i guess i'm just too bogged down in the fantasy aspects of it that i can't, can't spend my time there, but uh, good for you getting into the actual football stuff. Um, I'm curious, let's get into your background just a little. bit. So I, I like asking to start, do you have any kind of formal or informal training in either statistics or computer programming?
3: Uh, not really. I did a, um, I got my, my, my bachelor's was in history, and then I went back to school and got uh, a degree in uh, energy policy. And that was like, there was kind of, that's when I got like pretty good with Excel um, just because there's like a lot of, you know, doing stuff like net present value and kind of calculating out like, you know, tax depreciation type of stuff on like solar arrays and that that type of, you know, thing. So I, I kind of like got up to speed and then um, with at least like kind of, you know, kind of fairly rudimentary stuff. But, um, and then I got, uh, I was a project manager for like, 10 years at this um, energy efficiency company and that had some kind of data analysis elements to it. We, we monitored people's um, energy use down the path of kind of analyzing fantasy football from a more numbers heavy uh, style. So it's sort of, yeah, kind of like I've learned a lot kind of just by being super into it as I went.
2: So let's take a step back. I'm, I'm just curious about your like professional background and, or like hob related hobbies background. So like take me back to uh, what you were doing, you know, basically since call like, have you had, so you said you were in uh, energy, you, you were in a job related to uh, energy efficiency. Was that your like first job out of college?
3: Basically. Yeah. I mean, I, I waited tables for a while. Okay. Um, just to, you know, pay bills and stuff. When And then I went back to school and, um, and I waited tables while I was in school for, for a lot of it. Uh, but yeah, basically my like first like kind of salaried job was this project management position. Um, and yeah, it was like the, the thing is called demand response. You get like businesses can save money in the summer if they shut off a portion of their operations. Okay. Um, and that, the reason that that exists is because like During the summer, there's these like, uh, you know, might only be like a few hours in the entire summer where the grid does not really have the capability to support all of the demand that people are, are asking for, you know, everyone's cranking up their AC, just that extra bit. And the grid was basically not built to, it was built to serve everything, but that just little extra point. So Hmm. when they're planning out the grid, they kind of have two options. You can either add another power plant that basically just sits around all year and then turns on for that, like one hour or you can get people to shut down parts of what they're doing, or maybe their whole part, you get paid, the more you shut down, the more you get paid. And so you just get paid year round. Like that, like that power plant that didn't have to exist would get paid year round just to be available for that one hour, you get paid to be quote available to shut down. And so then if you don't do it, then you kind of like you get kicked out of the program basically after a certain amount of time. But there's so just like a, this a like a
2: government contract kind of job or like, no, it's a
3: private it's a private thing. It's a business. Like this is I actually like this. uh it's interesting. Like this was kind of like one of the first, like profitable, like not like doesn't, you don't need any subsidies really. Like you're, you're bidding in um, to the market, like everybody else, as if you're basically a power plant. So you're going like, we can provide this same service to you, the grid, Um, and the grid is not a government entity entity. The grid is essentially like an organization that sits above all the utilities in a particular area. Okay. Um, but, and it's like a regulatory body, I guess, but it's like built up of all the utilities. So it's, it's job is to sort of the long-term planning and stability of the grid. And so they're basically saying, all right, like now we need, we're going to need, we've projected, we need this much capacity to serve this area. You know and we're going to need that's our base level capacity we're gonna need all the time then there's this additional peaking capacity which would be what i did this demand response would be part okay. of that and so you know then we would bid in and be like all right we signed like we said we can provide you know all these megawatts of peak capacity now we need to go sign up customers to to do this so then then we had a sales team that's like all right like you're going to shut off a megawatt for us you're going to shut down like the steel mill is going to shut down or whatever and then I would come in and explain how this all works and figure out exactly how they were going to shut down, kind of walk them through, like, you know, we get into like machinery about which was going to get shut down and all that, create a plan, monitor to make sure it's actually happening, install the device that tracks to see whether or not they're actually doing it.
2: You're not still doing this job, right? This is, this is, I'm not still doing that job. Yeah. So so how long did you do that?
3: I did that for like 10 years. Um, I did that from 20, 11 to 2021
2: 20, yeah okay wow that's that's a long time um and then uh so while you were doing that you said you started to get into fantasy football while you were still holding that job when did you get into fantasy football content like how, how did you get your start doing fantasy football related content
3: i emailed uh frank dupont fantasy douche the guy who started Rotaviz. um i emailed him in, i think like 2013 with like a, like a terrible idea for an article and it didn't respond. And then yes. I emailed him again for another terrible idea for an article. Uh, and he did respond. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and I wrote, I wrote that article. What, what was um, that article? Do you, do you that was article else? was you, the sleeper, you simply must draft named Alec Newts. Uh, I don't think who ever played <laughs> a snap in the NFL.
2: I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah.
3: He was like, right. I think he was at a Buffalo, um, yeah, you know, he he did well in some market share numbers, but uh not not in the NFL. Uh and then I wrote, I think I wrote about God, who's that that Eagles running back that never did anything either. Um, um Bryce we don't Brown. Have Mike here with, I oh, think it was yeah. Bryce Brown. Yep. Then I was like, here's all right, let me try my hand at this again. Bryce Brown, gotta get him. Um, but then I I did I did a series of articles with my brother, and those those have aged a little bit better where we kind of argued back and forth. About um, you know you know you got to draft this guy you got to and then the other person would take the counter argument within that same article so started doing that and yeah just kind of kept kept on writing for Rotaviz started getting the podcasts um, did a podcast with Ben Gretch in like 2015 or 2016 where we did a preview of every team we'd made upside and uh, and floor projections for like all these players on the teams we interviewed a beat writer from all 32 teams it was wow. like an insane yeah, That's I crazy. actually don't think we should have been allowed to do it. It was like way too much work. Uh, <laughs> not not like allowed. Someone by who? should have. <laughs> who should? Have someone should well, they should have. Someone should have. Someone who knew should have sat us down and be like, "You are idiots. Don't do this." So but we did. We did pull it off. Um,
2: so were, were you doing that for Rotoviz or for somebody else? Like, did you start your own website at that point, or what, under what that, No, that was Ro-
3: that was for Rotoviz. Yeah, okay. that was all on. Uh, yeah, so at that point, uh, Matt Freeman was was uh, kind of getting the Rotoviz podcast network built out okay and um yeah and we we were kind of part of that and then through doing the podcast over there I was also editing some podcasts um and they were launching Mat- Matthew Friedman Fantasy Douche and Pete Overzet were had just started uh Fantasyland which was kind of this like almost like NPR style like This American Life but for fantasy football type of thing okay highly highly edited podcast and they needed some editing help and so i um i got looped in with them and was excited to be a part of that cuz the first episode they put out was just like incredible so i started doing Fantasy Land with with Pete and that's how i got to know Pete um and then okay. we we ended up doing an episode where we went down to Vegas and tried our hands at high stakes football and uh, high stakes like fantasy
2: football or what? what do you Yeah. Mean high that? stakes
3: fantasy football. Okay. Yeah. FFPC went down, drafted a main event team, interviewed a bunch of guys, you know, some of the previous winners and everything and got, we're sort of giving listeners like, Hey, here's this high stakes world. Like this is kind of what it's about. These are the, these are the people in it, characters in it. And we drafted our first team uh, for that episode. And so, um then that kind of that episode sort of morphed into an article series, which morphed into a podcast, which wasn't called Ship Chasing, but was basically ship chasing, and then okay eventually became ship chasing. Um and ship chasing for you know a, was kind of like at one point I wasn't even writing that much in like twenty nineteen, and ship chasing was like kind of the thing I was doing. Um it's later just a on podcast, down the line. Right? Sure it's just a just, just a, a podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah. And a YouTube uh show. Right, right, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I think of YouTube as being podcast. I kind of, I, when I refer to podcasts, yeah. I, I usually mean actually YouTube show, but uh, yeah, I do realize that they're actually different things. Uh, yeah, it's, that's what I really mean. <laughs> well, it's um, it's
3: sometimes quite visual, which is why right. I, which is why I say, because, uh, you know, we yeah, were yeah. doing live streaming, our main event drafts as we were, uh, as we were doing them. So sure. Yep.
2: So you, so you got your start at Rotoviz. So I got to be honest, I'm not all that familiar with Rotoviz. I'm sure that I've read articles on Rotoviz and such. It, it is still in existence, right? Like it's still a company. Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's as as somebody who's like relatively new to content in general and i've only ever done any content for stochastic it's really interesting to me hearing about like all the different sites that used to exist and like a lot of the people at stochastic used to work for fan vice or for for various other outlets so it's always interesting hearing about like all these names that you're mentioning like i know the names matthew friedman pete over these are all people that i know but like or like, I know who they are, I should say. Uh, but like, I did not realize that you yeah. worked together so long ago at these at these other companies. So it's kind of fascinating to hear the background there. So when you started at Rotoviz, were you like just getting paid like by the article? Were you working for free? Like, what were you doing there?
3: Yeah, they were doing, I'm not sure exactly how the system works now, but at the time it was like, you get paid um, based on how many people like subscribe to your article, like through your article. Cause like you, Rotoviz would do like, you'd get like one free article and then the second one, the paywall would come up and if they clicked.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family, it's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com/renew to learn more.
1: Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. Price Picks will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. Just visit PrizePicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at PrizePicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Uh, if they signed up, to
3: kind of on your article page. Then that would generate uh, okay. like a pretty big portion of their sub would go to you, cool. and then. You also would get some based on like how there was some other part of it, it was like if your articles were like one of the top articles, you know, at that time and someone subbed up, subbed through someone else's article or on the main page, like you'd get some cut of that too. So it was kind of about, um, you know, that, that was sort of the model where um, that wasn't my favorite way to, model because i tend to write more infrequently <laughs> so okay. i was like you know I was like sort of like a one-shot like all right this article either does really well or uh, i'm not gonna make it ton. yeah but um yeah okay. it was like uh and then i was doing stuff through the podcast which i think also generated some revenue through uh there's like podcast code that you could put in when you signed up so okay but it was all very like you know a passion project. I mean, it was not. Just, um,
2: you wanted to get into doing some kind of content related to fantasy football. So it wasn't I just really obsessed with money. fantasy
3: football. Like, right. honestly, I was just like obsessed with fantasy football. Like, I just wanted to write about fantasy football and think about fantasy football and, you know, talk to other people who are also obsessed with fantasy football. So, um, I was like, you know, a lot of free time type of stuff. Um, you know, mostly like I would just stay later after work and, and, and um, you know get an article out and it was also just like i think there's just something about you know getting to write and analyze and like i was a a history major as i said and i think like just having an outlet to write was was fun sure like i just enjoyed that um and that was not something that was really part other than like writing emails like that okay. wasn't part of my my current job so i think that that was part of it too it just like was rewarding creative outlet yeah 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 that's, that's-
2: at the time it was just like season long fantasy football, right? Like there was, there was no, and I, I, I don't know the full history of best ball. So maybe there was, maybe best ball existed. I wasn't even
3: thinking about best ball at all. Yeah.
2: Could you even have, have imagined at that time that you would one day win $2 million playing fantasy football? Like that's just, <laughs> that blow your mind? Like,
3: yeah, because like how, right. Like you, you get into <laughs> it
2: like, try, I'm going to help you win hundred bucks in your home league. And, and now it's like, oh, you can win millions of dollars playing. Uh, a, I mean, it's not the exact same game, but like, a lot of a lot of elements are very similar between season-long fantasy football For and sure. best ball. Uh so man, that's that's pretty cool to just like love fantasy football that much when I mean I, I say a hundred bucks. There are some leagues, obviously, where there's thousands of dollars on the line, but uh to now well, dynasty to the where, like, was the big... Money. Sure, sure dynasty
3: okay. was the thing that got me obsessed, truly obsessed, because I think there's something dynasty is not like and I like I play in some I guess like high-stakes dynasty leagues now, but like I don't even really like I, I play in a variety of high stakes or sorry. I play in a variety of dynasty leagues. Some of them with like $50 entry fees. Some of them, you know, with, I think the biggest one, the FFPC does like a 1251. I'm in one of those. Okay. So I was
2: going to ask you to define high stakes. Cause I, I've never been in a league that pays anything close to a thousand dollars entry fee. So that's uh, and is it like a 12 person league?
3: It's a 12 person league. Um, yeah. And it's, I, but I co, I co-own that one. Okay. Um and yeah the ones I think the biggest ones that I am in on my own are like three fifty, um I'm in three of those, and so I I this would guess would say like medium stakes, but like okay. I I kind of don't like the thing I like about Dynasty and I think why it got me so into it is like the stakes aren't really what matter it's like right. the feeling of like i did this thing right like i put this thing to i put together this insanely good team and it's going to crush for the next 10 years and yep. you guys are all dead I and I, i'm the best so you know i think there's something in terms of dynasty where especially if you're going to be diving into you know all the analysis and the writing and you know putting out the content on it if there's something about dynasty that just kind of makes that easier because it's more of like bragging rights, right? There's more, there's more yeah. of your own kind of ego on the line with it.
2: I believe the, the league that I care about the most, which is the, I, I my unlimited keeper league. It's like a $40 buy-in. And I I think right. about it so much more. Like I'm in fantasy baseball leagues, fantasy basketball leagues. I don't even, I do the draft. Like I basically get my, my arm twisted to be in the leagues. And then I don't think about it the rest of the year, but for some reason, the unlimited keeper league is the one that like, man, I love this league. And I actually pay attention to it throughout the year. And I know who's, I could tell you probably just about my entire roster, who I have right now, who, who I have the option of keeping, because it's just so much more interesting when you do have that. It's not dynasty, but a, the dynasty aspect of like, I got this player in the 12th round and now they're a second round value. You know, it's, it's so much more fun uh, for me than, than season just like individual seasons, uh for sure. More interesting. Yeah. So
3: and if you have every the buy-in of everyone else in the league like that, that's just like that's the most beautiful thing. When everyone else is super obsessed,
2: oh yeah with that exactly. same
3: league. Yep. That's it's so great.
2: Yeah, and that league it's it's mostly like that. We we've got a few stragglers who maybe don't care quite as much, but in general, there's a lot of shit talking, which makes it way more fun if there's if there's a lot of shit talking. Um uh we're so so when when did you get involved in best ball? I don't know exactly when best ball started. I know underdog is now this, you won best ball mania three. So that was, I think just the third year of underdog best ball, as far as I know. Um, When when did you start getting into best ball?
3: Well, um, so there was MFL tens was kind of a thing. And some of the guys, uh, you know, yeah. And I kind of knew of, of that. And some of like the really sharp fantasy football guys were playing those and um, it just never really appealed to me because generally like, the pitch was sort of like you draft a bunch of leagues and then you'll make like a good return on that. Cause you're, you're a good fantasy football player and you're, but you're trying to win a 12 team league. You're just trying to win a bunch of those 12 team leagues. It's basically right. a cash game, right? It's like, right. DFS version of a cash game or whatever. So I never really got into it. And you know, I think I did some like best ball industry stuff a little bit, and I drafted a couple here and there. But I was reading Sean Siegel's uh, work on it because he was like, he was going super in the weeds on all these structures, uh, you know, and when to take quarterbacks and coming up with these concepts that like still stand the test of time. Like, you know, I just had an article on Legendary Upside about elite tight end and i think you know that is a really strong structure i was referencing a, an article of his from 2019 on how powerful elite tight end is in best ball um and so he has a lot of great stuff on the quarterbacks um is running back working in best ball even though people thought that it would not that's it's coming off an incredible right. year in half ppr best ball so a lot of that work was like really fascinating even though i wasn't really playing a ton of best ball okay just because it was so good and then i uh you know i draft was down in a we did an episode on live finals and uh so we went to this like live final in nashville me and pete and draft was there the guys who started draft okay ended up doing underdog um and so i remember drafting on their app and being like oh this is kind of cool you
2: have any idea um, what year this was Draft, this was, draft was bought by FanDuel, right? That, that, that was, was draft that. Was
3: bought by FanDuel. So this would probably have been like 2019, maybe or 2020. There's probably okay. a way to just actually find this out. I might not have been 2020. I don't think it could have been 2020, right? Just given the timing of the draft.
2: True. But yeah, it's not.
3: around it was probably around that time. Okay. Um and yeah, so then <clears throat> when Underdog came out, um, you know, Pete was starting to do his like his streams his like uh, a lot more of his like best ball live streaming stuff. And sure. I remember there kind of being the buzz about underdog coming out. And so I definitely did. Uh, then I was like, all right, I need to best ball starting to become like a real thing. And so I need to get a little bit more into that. And so I probably but I still didn't fully commit. I probably drafted like, I don't know, 20 or 30 teams in best ball mania. Okay. And then Justin Herzig took it down. And I was like, that seems pretty fun. <laughs> like that right. that's like a real prize, you know? That's like uh okay. Yeah. Did, did you uh, know sh- who Justin Herzig
2: was prior to I did Okay. Yeah. That's- we did
3: a there was like a thing we did on ship chasing where it was kind of like um World Series, fantasy football world series or something, and, and Justin Herzig was in that with us. We we had a team, he had a team. I think he won that as yep. well. Oh wow. So it was a hell of a year. Um and yeah, so I was like, all right, like I'm gonna I'm gonna take this seriously. I maxed BBM two and then um actually I think I one of my drafts got canceled, so technically uh, oh, no. Uh, so yeah, didn't, I no. you didn't get, get the full You didn't get I the I didn't get the one. I didn't get the cactus. Oh, that's, yeah. that's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's tough. Um and then I maxed BBM three as well.
2: That's uh it's insane to me that all three of the winners of Best Ball Mania, so Herzig, uh, Liam Murphy, and then you are all people that I knew about prior to your wins. Like it was nobody who like it was just a complete unknown. You all like Liam, I had just learned of because he, he did a stream with uh, Pete about his chess. Like he was, he's Pete's chess coach. So that was the only reason I knew Liam prior to that. But like all of you were like already doing content related to fantasy football uh, to some extent. So it's pretty wild. Like what are, what are the odds of the first three winners all being like people that are kind of known in the industry already? Uh, it's just uh, kind of and kind of streamed loud, with Pete.
3: Up. Because Justin Erzig was that on right? that, uh, yeah, with the stream with uh, the Fans Football World Series. Every single Best Bowl Mania winner has done a stream with Pete that summer.
2: All right, I'm going to do a stream. I'm going to do a stream with right. Pete this summer. That's, that's my goal <laughs> for the would, summer.
3: If you can get on, he's a busy guy. He's got a, he is, got I, a baby girl. To yeah
2: i've, I've tried <laughs> to get pete on high stakes before we've, we've talked about he's told me he would do it and then every time it's like yeah sorry sorry i can't that week so i've i've kind of given up on trying for a little bit i'm going to start trying to get pete back on the show though because now i know that that's the key to winning best ball maybe. if you're
3: max and if you're max and uh, bbm4 i would recommend it
2: oh yeah i'll be i'll be max and bbm4 uh so yeah i'll have to get pete on here um i so let's talk to some some generalities about uh uh, about best ball in general just your, your general thoughts on best ball because I have a number of questions I just pulled from past episodes here I, I've had uh, I've had chess uh, L- Liam has been one of my previous guests uh, Felix Castro was a guest here who won on. DraftKings won the MillieMaker there. Uh, And of course, Eric Bainfor, I've had several uh, best ball people on. So I pulled out some of my favorite questions from them, just general best ball questions uh, that I'd like to talk about a little bit. So one thing that Eric Binefor said is that he thinks one of the bigger mistakes people make in best ball is overstacking. What's your take? Do you you think that people overstack their teams? Uh, How much should you be stacking within a team? What what do you think in general there?
3: Uh, I don't know. I don't necessarily think I mean, I don't mind kind of doing bigger stacks. Um, and I think part of the reason that I don't really mind it is that like, you don't need every single player to hit your Everybody. winning lineup. Yeah. yeah. you know, it, so it's like, you're um, if you're, if you can, you can kind of be like directionally accurate, basically, like this game's going to have points in it. And if you've got several pieces from that game, not everyone hits your lineup, then you're fine. The other thing is that um, I think there's something to the idea of like, you're just betting on offenses, you yeah. know, and Mike Leone had an article a couple years ago where he was talking about stacking and saying, you know, when, when a team rolls, everybody rolls and getting the quarterback and the running back from a team is probably not optimizing your single week upside, which is a really important element. Yeah. You You want to take down that week 17 tournament, uh, in best ball mania, that's like really the very very first thing you should be thinking about is like making sure you have a team that's live for that. But I had Saquon Barkley last year and Daniel Jones on my team. Now Daniel Jones didn't hit my my lineup because Brady barely right. outscored him. But they like, both put if up he... like
2: thirty six fantasy points right that week, something like that. Yeah,
3: if Jones was in my lineup instead of Brady, I w- it would have been fine. Um, right. but the fact that Jones went off and Saquon dudded was potentially amazing for my team, which had both of them, because Saquon had been a big component of getting me there yep. and getting a lot of other opponents there. He was really well-represented in the final. The fact that he then didn't do anything, his quarterback went off, was actually kind of leverage for me, a sort of built-in leverage. Sure. Yep. And I got a late-round Raheem Mostert score to hit my lineup. So I was okay at running back. And I was, I had Austin Eckler who went absolutely nuts. Nothing happens without that. Yeah. But I don't mind having, you know, some court, I, maybe I don't want all my quarterbacks at the running backs, but it's like this, this offense is better than people thought. That helps get me there in the first place. And then, you know, if the guy, if I, the other thing is I had, now it didn't end up working out. I had Daniel Jones stacked with Wandale Robinson. Sure. But it wasn't like I just had naked Daniel Jones, right? So, um, I don't know. I, I don't know that we've necessarily hit a point where people are now. You certainly could overstack, but right. I think generally my view on it would be that you're it, you're like making the mistakes. You're are really other mistakes. You're reaching way ahead of ADP, you're picking guys you don't even like. Yep. Your structure's all out of whack because you, you know you're taking an extra wide receiver in a range where. You know, you only have three running backs through 13 rounds and you're taking a wide receiver ahead of ADP instead of a running back when you probably should take a running back because, you know, otherwise you'd be a little too weak at the position, you know, whatever it is. Right. So that would be like you don't want to get obsessed with stacking. I agree with that part of it.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, uh, I, think, I think that he's right that there, there's certainly a cap on it. It's just a matter of like, I don't know exactly what that cap is on, on where, like, I think the Giants is actually a great example of like where you can certainly overstack the Giants because they have, what, six viable wide receivers who are getting drafted right now. And it's like, you're, they're probably not all going to hit. You probably don't want all six of them. Uh, so I'm probably not going to want to take six Giants wide receivers, but uh, yeah, I don't know exactly where the line is.
3: Uh, I think. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Like in that case, you're actually betting on guys who are gonna but you know i've i've done um justin herbert mike williams quentin johnston um i don't know that i maybe have then done gerald everett but let's say those two wide receivers and i've taken josh palmer at times and okay. i'm like I, i'm like this might be bad because it's to the point of what you're saying of like you know is palmer really playing but i'm like i don't know maybe like palmer if does play keenan that Allen one week. hurt yeah yeah keenan allen's hurt for a week or mike williams misses a game and Josh Palmer has like a spike week and I think price adjusting what your bet is like if Josh Palmer has 25 points in week 15 and zero points, the rest of the entire season, I want him in the 18th round. Right. That's a good pick. Absolutely.
2: And and the rest so, of your team got you there. So yeah, yeah. It's, 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 an interesting discussion. Cause I, like, I think that I agree. I agree with Eric that I think probably a lot of people are over I just don't know exactly where that, uh, where that line is exactly in terms of stacking. One thing that you said that I thought was interesting. So just talking about stacking in general, I typically don't think of it as being a stack quarterback with running back, unless I consider it like the, the running back as a pass catcher. So the examples we gave were you, you talked about Saquon and Barkley, Austin Eckler. Clearly I, I think of those as being stack partners with their quarterbacks, but what about like Kenneth Walker? Like, do you still consider him a stack partner with Geno Smith because of the factor? Like the, the offense is, uh, as you said, like if the offense is going well, it's going to help everybody you know, rising, rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. Like do, do you try to stack even when it's not a pass catching running back?
3: Yeah. I, I'm more interested in Rashad Penny. If I have hurts, even though those are like, he's not catching anything and like their touchdowns are directly uh, you know, they're, they're stealing touchdowns from each other. Right. They're not correlated in their highest uh, you know, the 95th percentile that are not really correlated with those guys. Um, they're They're they are they're for individual. Weeks. Yeah, for, for, for individual, individual weeks. weeks. Yeah, yep. they're negatively correlated. But you're still interested
2: is, in getting both for your full for, for your roster in best ball.
3: Yeah, because like what if what if so in best ball mania and really in, in any type of best ball tournament, because in total points like the Eagles, all the all I'm saying, if I'm just like taking those two guys in like drafters, which is one weeks one through 17 is like the Eagles are just going to absolutely smash and their defense can be a little worse and they're not going to pull their starters quite as much this year. They're actually going to play all the games in all the quarters and they're going to have to pass a little bit more, but they're also going to be very good and they're going to be running the ball down people's throats in a lot of fourth quarters and stuff. So I'm just like, basically you're going to be delighted to have any pieces of this offense. And if you've got, you know, hurts and swift or hurts and penny, um, you're going to be pretty happy as long as those guys are are getting enough playing time at the running back position. Um, That's, that's a little bit more of a clean cut case on a site like drafters in best ball mania, though, you have to win. You have to advance to your, uh, out of your 12 team league, two teams out of 12 do that. Just as I think it would probably help you put you up, help you put up a lot of total points. It's probably gonna help you advance if you're right uh, in two different spots that Eagles are just scoring a ton of points but then you have to advance one out of 16 in week 15 one out of 16 in week 16 i think you could easily have what if penny has in a monster week 16 you know he's going to be really highly represented in the final week that will probably keep hurts a little bit lower than he should be yeah cuz he's not going to be as on like you know, I guess if the field was like going out of their way to stack running backs with quarterbacks, I would be a little bit less inclined to do it. But it strikes me that they're really not. So um I I'm like, hey, give me that, give me the correlation of I'm still getting to make the bet. The Eagles are really good. Nice, simple bet, you know, and then they're really good, helps get me through in maybe a couple different ways through the playoff weeks, and then a week 17 yeah, I need it to be Hertz or Penny. And one of those guys is probably dead, you know, or Swift. And you know, but like if my sixth round pick or my seventh round pick or my 10th round pick doesn't hit my final roster in week 17.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan But you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more.
1: Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Of more than seven million players who have already signed up right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. Just visit PrizePicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at PrizePicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. So what? Right.
3: You know if, if and I think it's not like um, you haven't set yourself up for some potential advantages before that. I think, I think you really have. I mean, if just the idea of like this slightly boosts my chances of getting a low owned Jalen hurts into week 17, like that alone, that could be the $3 million thing.
2: Yeah. And I wonder if that is like, if people who have drafted a quarterback are less likely to take the running back, you know, in, in the case where it is a running back who, Uh, is not a pass catcher like if they're you know generally going to be less owned in general the quarterback and running back from the same team if there is no pass catcher i I have not looked at the the data on that so i don't know for sure but it's definitely uh, an interesting thought because that would be just one more bonus point for just drafting them together
3: it's not something people are putting as much emphasis on right now sure yep that's for sure even in even in leone's article looking at stacking he didn't include the running backs
2: right And I, you know, I, as I said, I don't typically consider the running back to be part of a stack, uh, but that's more like traditional DFS. Like it is, it's a very different game, best ball from, from DFS. So I do think it's an interesting thought that in best ball, you could consider the running back as part of the stack, even if it's not a pass catching running back, just because, as you said, different weeks, you need, you know, different, different outcomes uh, can help you. So yeah, it's a really interesting point there. Let me take a minute away from this conversation with Pat Corain to tell you about our sponsor underdog. You can get your first deposit doubled on underdog up to hundred dollars by signing up with promo code stochastic or using our link in the description of this video. You must be 18 plus or 21 plus in Massachusetts and Arizona, 19 plus in Alabama or Nebraska. If you're concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Otherwise sign up now using the promo code stochastic. To take advantage of our offer. You can find all your best ball fantasy and pick and prop needs on underdog. I actually, I, I want to take a step back though, because uh I, I skipped over. We were talking about your content past. Um, I'm actually curious about your content currently and in the future. Are you still working uh, for NBC? I, I know that you were uh, this this fall. Have you stepped away from there to do your own thing. I mean, you, have got the legendary upside background going right now. So I know that you started your own website recently. Context uh, clues.
3: Yeah. I've, I've, I've uh, I, I left NBC and I've started okay. legendary upside. Uh, I and, if you're uh, still
2: doing both, but yeah, go on. No, Sorry.
3: no, no. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. I mean, that's a reasonable question. Uh, I am not, I'm, uh, I, I left to do this full-time and, uh, yeah, this is, this is the full-time gig. Um, and it's a, I, I have, so you can sign up for free and get uh, a lot of good free content over there. There's a, a podcast, Legendary Upside podcast, which is available everywhere you get podcasts. Um, that's been fun. Done some mailbag episodes over there. I did a episode called Best Ball 101 with Pete Overzet, where we went through a draft. Um, kind of like not like an actual draft, but like okay, let's say you're in the first round. What are you thinking about in the first round? And that okay. was simple. It's like pick whoever you want, and then. Uh, just remember what you did and it's going to change a ton, but, you know, and then round two and okay, now we're in like round four and five. What are we thinking about? Like you're thinking about what kind of structures to use here? What are kind of the advantages, disadvantages of, of, you know, going certain directions at quarterback, tight end, whatever. So we kind of walked through that and we kind of like at some points started talking about like more advanced tactics, but we did, we did, I kept trying to pull us back and kind of, talk about it from a higher level perspective. So yeah, if you're kind of trying to get a little bit more into best ball, I would recommend checking that out. Um, if you're already into best ball, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there, like um, some nuggets in there that you'll you'll enjoy as well. But yeah, everything is uh, at Legendary Upside now. Um, I will say a lot of the content is behind a paywall, but um, I'm offering the first year is, is only $69 uh, through July 18th. I'm offering that. So if you want to sign up, uh, is, there a you chose,
2: is there a reason you chose a number 69?
3: Oh, uh, well, you know, I don't know. It's, it's $30 <laughs> off the normal rate. That's, 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 uh, that's, I, why, see. You know. I got you. I yeah. got you. Yeah. Uh, is, it, is
2: it just best ball or is it also like season long? Anything else?
3: I, I'm doing a, a fair amount of like dynasty content as well. Okay. And cool. I will be doing more like kind of season long kind of traditional um, fantasy football as, as we get into kind of the, the peak of the summer. And then I'm going to do a version of uh, my, my weekly preview column that I was doing at NBC, uh, called the walkthrough. I'll be doing that in season. So it's going to be, it's a year round type of, uh, type of deal.
2: And is it, is it just you right now?
3: It's just me. Yeah. Um, I've got a little bit of help in terms of editing and making sure that my rankings are staying up to date relative to, you know, some big news dropping and stuff. So I've got a little help, but, but all the content is just me. Um, you can get, um, as part of the premium subscription, you can get, underdog rankings that you can upload to the site, uh, that you can draft right off of.
2: Cool. All right. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if you were like, I, I knew that you had launched this website, but I was saying like, is he still gonna be doing, cause I know you're still doing, obviously you're still doing ship chasing, like you're still doing podcasts and stuff. Uh, but those are, Oh yeah.
3: Still doing ship chasing. Um, yeah, I'm just, uh, there's just, there's just a little more content in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
2: making it sound like we're ending the show. Cause usually I ask people at the end, like where can we find you? I was just, I wanted to get into that. Cause I, I was very curious. Like I wasn't sure if you had left NBC, like I didn't, maybe, maybe you did make the announcement at some point and I just forgot about it, but uh, I wasn't sure if you were like still doing that, but also launched your own thing. I don't know. But uh, well, it was a bummer. Knew. I
3: mean, I, you know, I was doing stuff over there with um, uh, Pat Darty and Denny Carter and uh, Lawrence Jackson and Kyle Dvorak. We we're doing a lot yeah. of podcasting and stuff. Um, so that that unfortunately is not part of the content that I'm doing anymore, which is right. uh, which is a bit of a bummer. But a lot of the same stuff that I was doing at NBC, like kind of the rookie profiles, the deep dives on that, I, is is what I was doing pre-draft. Um, and you know, I like to kind of do kind of more research based articles, um, yeah. and I'm able to able to do that over at my new thing as well.
2: That's awesome. Well, uh, congrats on that. Um, just wanted to just wanted to step back just to. to talk about the future just a little bit where what's going on now but i do want to get back into uh some some general best ball thoughts so another another question that we talk about often is do you believe that there is an optimal time to draft in best ball and i believe what was it july 18th is that is that your uh the date that you drafted your winning lineup
3: yeah and this kind of goes to like if everyone was drafting uh quarterback and running back all the time i'd be like well you know i then at that point, maybe if if Penny goes off, I want to be sneaking in a different quarterback, you know, and I, I you know, <laughs> so I don't want to, I don't want to follow the pack here. And I think in a lot of these like small edge type things, which I think the quarterback running back thing is definitely like on the smaller edge type element. It's like, what's the field doing? If the field's doing this, maybe I want to do the opposite. And last year I felt like the field was really into this barbell approach. They're like, you got to draft early and then you got to take a big old break and then you draft late. And I was like, that's not really gonna work for like my life. So I if I'm gonna max best ball mania, I kind of want to just drip drafts through the entire summer. And um, talking to Pete Overzett, like he was doing that because he's got like so much going on and streams and stuff, is like we really can't just like take a giant break in the middle of the summer, but then as I got into July, I was like, how is this still not early? Like, cause a lot of people are, you know, were saying like early is May and June and late is like when we have all the information in like late August, like, dude, this is still early. Like there's no training camp. Everything's basically the way it was. You have a little bit more information. So I, I felt pretty strongly that like July 18th is part of the early window. And it's almost like it's almost like binary. Like there's like a two week period. And after that two week period or a three week period, then it's late. And maybe, maybe take like the heart of training camp off, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. don't be drafting after like the first preseason game at that point, maybe wait until after the the second or whatever. But um, that would be like, maybe, you know, to the extent that I'm going to like barbell, uh that would be it like i probably won't draft a ton after the first preseason game because then it's like i've got some information and but i'm not getting like any great values and but i don't have all the information so i might as well just wait like another week and get like some more like legit information and then you know start drafting and then ramp up um but yeah i i mean there's so many best ball tournaments now too like are you really not if you want to get in the drafting, puppy
2: you got to do it in may because the puppy is going to be close the puppy one is going to be closing in a week probably
3: a hundred percent yeah and drafting says a lot of great offerings and there's just like a ton of really you know uh, there's a lot of best ball that i want to play this year so i'm like if i'm not drafting in you know from like the last week of july through the second week of august like that's i don't like i don't want to do that i want to you know i want to keep drafting so i might i might dial up and I will dial things up and down and I will kind of think a little bit more about my tournament selection. Like, okay, this is, this is maybe, this is maybe like a more random high, um, uh, high variance because it's a bigger field type of tournament. Maybe I'll do that at a a point of the draft season that I don't feel as confident about and maybe try to save some of my best ball mania entries as a result for later for right before the season or something like that. So, right. But you know,
2: it's funny that you so you describe it as binary. I'm so I actually I take the same approach. I'm I'm drafting throughout the summer. Partially it is just like a, a lifestyle thing. Like I don't want to do 150 BBM three BBM four drafts in September. Like it's just it, it's not going to work mm-hmm. out for me. Uh, but part of it is like I kind of think of it as a sliding scale. Like we, you get more information at all times and things are always shifting. So just like naturally if you draft throughout the summer you're going to have a different portfolio just based on like okay now i have this news and now i like this player better that i wasn't drafting before and you're going to end up with kind of a balanced portfolio in some ways uh by drafting throughout i i don't know it's uh but but i agree like it's it's binary in some ways and also i think it's, it's kind of both true that it's like in some ways, like there's a period where like you get a lot more information really quickly and there's a before and after of that period. But there's also just like, there are a lot of different things that happen. Like we, we were drafting, I was drafting before the draft even happened. And now we're drafting during the draft. And now there's going to be, I don't know, there, there's so many things are going to happen. So it's just sort of like you, if you do draft throughout the summer, it's, it's sort of a sliding scale of information in some ways.
3: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we're going to, so we, we are analyzing data for all this stuff and, you know, the data that we have is, is not all that great. Cause it doesn't have this big sample and, and people push back on that all the time, which I think, you know, a lot of it is, is pretty fair. Like we don't have the the biggest sample, but we also like, when it comes to like draft behavior, like we don't even have data on everything. And sure. like one thing that I feel strongly about is that it's a huge advantage to be extremely comfortable with the player pool. and to know where everyone gets drafted and to know like if I take this guy here it's because he's definitely not coming back like I know if I pass on this guy he's definitely not coming back it would be like a shock you can almost do in your head you know like there's like a three percent chance he comes back because you've just drafted regularly and enough so you if you if you take off like three weeks you're gonna lose that yep so I, I think like you know, we don't have like data on, or maybe we do, but I don't think anyone's looked at it. Uh, but, you know, could you look at like this player who drafted like consistently, you know, or, but you, right. but you don't know what's in their head, like how familiar sure, they were sure. with everything, but yeah. it is kind of like, I think there probably is an edge to just keep getting your reps in and, and keeping your finger on the pulse and understanding where the player pool is at all times. How do we ever going to measure that edge? It's going to be really tough we can measure things like, oh, you know, this, you know, teams that are drafting in this part of the year, it's better because of the X, Y, or Z, or, you know, you kind of, Mike Leone did some of this in his Best Ball Manifesto, where it's like teams that are drafting really early are getting the insane, insane values, but they have more dead roster spots. So that's, and I think that analysis is really helpful, but there's also, I think this other element of like, if you as a human drafter, you know, aren't going to be able to, come in and and feel like you're firing on all cylinders after you take a month off then don't take a month off
2: right that's a really interesting, so I, I never thought about the that aspect of, of like just getting your reps in and like as you said being comfortable with a player pool that's really that's really important just for like if you're trying to stack you need to know the range of where you're going to be able to get your stacking partners for example and like like how often does this player flip uh not go at ADP like Anthony Richardson right now. I mean, he's being steamed up. Everybody's talking about him, but like, I still see him sometimes go and fall into like the 100 spot. Whereas there are some players that get drafted, uh, around is 80, 80, 80 P or so around there who like, you just know they're, they're never going to fall to hundred. Like, and like you only get that through experience. You get to know like which of these ADPs have volatility baked into them and which of them are just like, yeah, he's never really fallen too far behind that. Um, that's a really interesting point that you do just you get to know the player pool and then uh and like where players are going to be taken and then you can plan ahead for like okay should I reach to take this you know uh Rashad Bateman is, is a good example like the, the Baltimore receivers they're more and more you can't really wait to get them at ADP because they are getting steamed up and you just that's one of those things you kind of know with reps the, the way things exactly are moving. Um,
3: exactly yeah. and and it's so true that some guys have really tight bands on their ADP. It's yeah. like, they just never fall more than a few picks They always go right at that spot. And some guys like Anthony Richardson, his ADP, he's a perfect example. Cause like his average is based on some extremely bullish drafters. And then there are rooms where people are like, I'm not going to be, I'm not doing this. Right. Like, I, I, you know, and then he will fall. So yeah, if you know that, you know, and, and that's a really important thing to know, right. Cause Richardson's, like screaming up the board you're like am i gonna get locked out of richardson but if you it's like no i've actually sat down i've sat back and let him come to me you know close to right. pick 100 i mean yeah so yeah I, I think that type of um kind of a, that like experience-based um familiarity with everything is is really important and especially yeah. when you're trying to layer on things like stacking and week 17 correlation you want to feel super comfortable with the player pool. Yep. You don't want to be forgetting about like, because early on in some of these drafts, I'm like, oh yeah, like this guy's on that team. I said, I should probably should, should draft to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to, I've that's part of the reason I've only drafted like four Best Ball Mania teams so far. I've been doing a lot of the puppy Me too. and I've been waiting for the schedule to come out so that I can really, um, you know, hammer that that week 17 correlation, which I do think is important yep. um, and build that into, even if every team's not super correlated, still building it in where it makes sense. But also like, if I make mistakes in the puppy, I don't feel as bad about that. You know, I'm not burning one of my, one of my 150 entries. If I, if I screw something up in the puppy, so getting, getting like the, the player pool's changing a lot right now. And, and just like having my, um, you know, just getting really comfortable with it. Right.
2: And and knowing like tear breaks is another example of like, yes. if I don't like there's sort of like uh, in the like uh, late second, early third round, a bunch of running backs go. And there's like a bunch that are like, bunched together. And like, you, you kind of know that. And it's like, okay, when you get towards the end of that, it's like, if I don't take a running back now and like, you don't already have a running back, I'm going to drop off to like drafting Kenneth Walker. And I'd much rather have one of these run, like Derrick Henry than, than Kenneth Walker, or whoever the options are. So just like knowing that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really good point. Just knowing, knowing how drafts go, having some familiarity definitely helps a bit um, slow drafts or fast drafts,
3: fast drafts all the way. I cannot. Last I you know I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have to do some some slow drafts for some of the stuff that I want to do. That's like not really filling, like not non underdog stuff. Um, but ah, uh, I don't want to, man. I, I hate slow drafts. I'm just like, I mean, I'm doing some slow rookie drafts right now, and and luckily rookie drafts are so much faster. But sure, I, I am not. I would I've. I think this is it. I'm not organized enough. I just have this low-grade anxiety that I might be on the clock <laughs> at, right. at all times. I mean, like I, think, I, I feel it right now. I think I might be on the clock in a dynasty league, and I'm not sure. And like I have, so it, maybe if you're like hyper organized and you're like, I check every three hours, I check my best ball teams, and I don't. Then the in between those periods, I feel utter bliss. So I that's can tell not you, how I, I live.
2: I can tell you, Pat. I do. I probably do fifty-fifty fast drafts and slow drafts. I am extremely disorganized. I am not organized at all, but I get notifications on my phone. Like, I mean, don't you just like, you look at your phone sometimes you see, Oh, I have notifications of Underdog saying I'm on the, the only
3: way I can get work done is to ignore my phone for like five hours. Oh, okay. I never like, ignore my
2: phone for more than I'm on, like I'm on shows and I'm still checking my phone every 15 minutes. So maybe that's, I'm just, I I'm probably addicted to my phone.
3: Well, I am addicted to my phone, but I, I, uh, I'm like hyper focused. is like the only way. So like if I okay. need to get writing done, I basically, my phone's over here, but I just like ignore it. And then I just write. I think actually that's why I'm doing this. I think because I'm obsessed with fantasy football stuff to the point that like I can fully hyper-focus on it and, I'm, sure. and be really productive. Okay. Um, Where like if I was like 20% less interested in this, I would never hit that point, And then I would just right. like, get distracted and be on my phone and not really get all that much done so but there, therefore like i don't want to i don't want those notifications get those notifications out of my life i all right. all i've right. got an hour free let's fire off three drafts i got two monitors on the phone let's get let's do uh three puppies let's do I, it right now
2: i understand i think that that's been the response of every best ball player that i've uh that i've asked the question to is Fast drafts all the way, and I, I think there's pros and cons. I I initially didn't want to do slow drafts until I uh, Alex Baker I think made made a tweet about uh doing 20 slow drafts at once. I'm like, okay, this is where it becomes like I can accept that if I'm doing 20 20 at once, and I just have always have like with every hour I'm gonna be on the clock somewhere. Uh, that, that's where I start. Yeah, one it.
3: one slow draft is sick. Like oh, that, is, that. that is that is that's just pain what, torture. What kind of behavior is that? One yeah. slow draft
2: <laughs> could not could not possibly do that. Uh, so I just yeah. do, uh, so I, I, my, my recommendation, if you want to get, if you're trying to max out BBM three and you don't have the time, uh, as Pat, uh, to like an hour, uh, during your day to do a fast draft, you can do slow drafts. They're not the end of the world. Like every other best ball person thinks they are, uh, you just have to use your cue make, or make sure you use your queue if you're doing slow drafts so that you know who yeah. you want coming up.
3: I've I've referenced the best ball manifesto a bunch of times, but it, it was.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? you can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more.
3: Amazing and very comprehensive, and Leone touched on this too, is- there has been kind of this, this negativity around slow drafts because like they're seen as like less, um, they're seen as harder because you tend to get like more kind of industry people in them or less kind of people that just totally screw it up. Yeah. You know? And so therefore maybe they're not quite as plus EV or whatever, but there isn't that much of a difference. So I I am one to kind of um, look, I, I don't want to hate on slow drafts. If you like doing slow drafts, like by all means, and the data actually shows that like you're not giving up really any ev by doing slow drafts like they're just as potentially profitable yeah so so do your slow drafts but uh i won't be in them
2: well that's that's one more reason that i'm going to do slow drafts that all the sharp (laughs) people i've interviewed don't want to do slow drafts um although as you said it it tends to be uh more like overall sharper fields i think like as, as you said like uh you're not going to get so many just complete throwaway drafts and slow drafts like you do sometimes in fast drafts, but right. But a lot of the short people don't do them. So it ends up being, you know, almost equal there. All right. Back to, this is probably my favorite question. What is the most tilted you've ever been during a best ball draft? Oh man. You have an answer here. Do you get tilted during, I guess we can ask that first. Do you oh get yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah.
3: I get tilted. I get more tilted in the high stakes drafts sure. um, with on ship chasing and stuff. God, I've had like so many highly tilting moments on ship chasing. I do remember on, so I, this wasn't technically a best ball draft, but um, this is a main event and someone took Ronald Jones, I think in the fourth round um, in a 2020 draft, which I, which, which was an egregious pick. I mean, what a stupid pick you made, dude. Um, Of course I wanted to take him in the fifth round and wasn't able to.
2: And you have the username Um, daily Rojo, right? That is your, uh,
3: my username is daily Rojo. (laughs) And Hey, you know, you talk about the, the draftable player pool. I think Ronald Jones is back in it. All right. Maybe, maybe he's a bad he pick. Be.
2: He might, he be. might
3: be, he might not make the final roster in Dallas, but uh, it isn't crazy. It isn't crazy. Uh, Daily Rojo lives on. All right.
2: I I feel like I, uh, I have so many questions here and I got, I'm going to cut some of them out. Cause we only have about 10 minutes left and I want to uh, get to My final question is going to be, tell me about your favorite win or win celebration. I feel like you've got a pretty good one, but uh, I want to ask a few other questions first. Um, uh, does the change in the prize structure on underdog is that going to factor into how you approach the best ball season? Now that we have last year was just a million dollars to first during the regular season, now there's actually the top what 10,000 get some kind of payout. Uh, it's 500,000 first. Is this going to change your approach at all? You think
3: you know, like maybe it would if people were taking a different lesson, but the lesson people seem to be taking is week 17 matters less and it matters more about playing for the regular season point totals. And I completely disagree with that. I think the fact that the regular season top prize was cut in half from $1 million to $500,000 makes it less important to try to build the very best team, right? Like you're sure. most of what most of what you're getting, you know, they're paying out way more places. Right. So there's more of the prize pools going to the regular season, but it's because they're playing they're paying out way more teams. But a lot of that's just going to be kind of like lessening, you know, the loss of like your overall portfolio if you then don't do very well in the playoffs. It's not true. it's not going to like make it the like I'm so glad I maxed BBM four because I finished really well in the regular season. Now there'll be a few people who definitely feel that way.
2: Sure. If you finish in the top, I don't know, three or four, whatever it is.
3: Yeah. But the top prizes got cut in half and then you go to week 17 and the top prize is over. It's a million, it's a million dollars higher than it was last year. And it's a more top heavy payout structure than it was last year in the final so now you absolutely need to finish first. If you make the final, you yeah. need to finish first. It goes from 3 million to 1 million uh, seconds. Nice. But then it goes down quite a bit again. So I think third is 300,000. So I mean, it's a big, right? I yeah, think so. Be... It's pretty big. Yeah. So you've got to, you've got to be playing for first in week 17. And to me, I, that means putting like more focus on week 17. Then I think week 17 sure. is like more important than last year because the top heaviness of the payout structure I means like I finished 15th in BBM, BBM 4. And the, you know, yeah. That's not it's not as great as you know if it might have been if the if the payout structure was if all the money was in week 17, then finishing 15th would be way better. Sure. So right. you gotta so you, you really got I think to. you really need to be thinking, how do I finish first?
2: All right. So you touched on this already and let's just do it like within a minute or two on it. How much do you factor in week 17 matchups and or stacks? And those those are different questions, right? So like factor in like, okay, uh, the chiefs are going to be playing the lions or I don't know if the lions are still the lions defensively this year, but whoever it is great matchup. And then also like, how much do you care about having a bring back there for week 17?
3: So, yeah, this is one of the things I think maybe the field will get wrong again this year, a little bit. And I got this wrong a little bit last year. Like I was like, man, this Denver chiefs game gotta yes. have it gotta <laughs> have it and you know and then it's it, you don't want that at all um i guess russ actually did kind of have a, a good game didn't he yeah one but, of his few yeah. one of his few but um we're not going to be very good at that we're not going to be very good at predicting which games uh on new year's eve are going to shoot out that's like we're just not going to do it well. right yeah what we do know for sure though is that certain teams will be playing each other. And so if you're building your team to stack up you know certain games and those games have come to you at reasonable rates, at reasonable adps, I mean, yep. you're not yep. you're not overspending to make these games come together. You didn't go into the draft thinking, I'm getting this Chiefs Bengals game no matter what. That type of stacking, I don't think is great. or if you're going, you know, I've got to get this running back way ahead of ADP because he's got such a a soft uh, schedule in the playoffs. I I certainly think you can boost the guy a little bit for something like that, but generally the correlation aspect is more about I already made a bet on this team because I have like, uh, you know, a wide receiver on their team pretty high. I'm going to take another wide receiver on that same team and I'm going to take a wide receiver on the opposite team in week 17, all at good prices, I don't even have their quarterback. I don't even have the quarterback, but I have I have a let's say an early quarterback. I got I got Jalen Hurts on this team. I got Josh Allen on this team. And so I'm not worried about trying to get my quarterback points in week 17. What I'm worried about is having a lineup that is just scoring a ton of points. And I can do that potentially with a Josh Allen stack, someone coming back on the other side, you know, and maybe I have another stack that doesn't even have the quarterback and then my backup quarterback let's stack him up too let's bring him back and yeah. you're doing it in ways where at no point in the draft you went out of your way to do it you didn't you didn't take guys who you who you absolutely hate you know you took guys who you still think are good picks your structure still really sounds you know you you spent appropriately at all the different you know positions you did all the fundamentals but now you show up to week 17 with your ticket and you, you look and you go yeah I know what needs to happen. If yeah. these few things happen, I'm going to be at the top of the leaderboard. And you and you haven't had to predict. Oh, this team's going to be a pass funnel. That's not why you did it. You didn't. How how could you possibly predicted there going to be a pass funnel? But you took guys at good prices who are correlated. And if you know one of the teams does happen to be a pass funnel, yeah. and they let up a ton of points, and the other team has to pass to keep up, keep up. Like you're going to have to be very lucky for that to come to pass. But it's something. It's like. We know these teams play each other. We know that for a fact. So let's let's use that to our advantage.
2: I Actually, I really liked Adam Levitan's tweet earlier today. This, is, Great this tweet. is my entire philosophy. Okay, so I'm glad you agree. I'll just read it off. Unpopular best ball take. It says week 17 correlation is definitely plus EV. We should try to have it, especially in BBM payout structure, but it's not among the top five things I'd think about when on the clock, those being roster construction, stacking, ADP, player rank, slash takes, and positional capital. I 100% agree with that. It sounds like you're you're on the same page.
3: I'm on the same page, but it's sort of like, I am a little, I, I'm not quite on the exact same page. Okay. I think like, I think if you're newer to this, listen to Adam and not me. If you're like comfortable with stacking, what I would say and comfortable with the correlation stuff it is what I would say is like, what I like to do is I like to think about it maybe like even too much because then I, what I'll do is I will build in little mini correlations all throughout the draft. Sure. Sure. And what those allow me, those create additional outs for me, where if I get sniped on a quarterback for one of, you know, I'm building up a stack and I get sniped on the quarterback. Okay. Well, you know what? I already took a, a pass catcher and an opposing pass catcher now to build in a game stack. I just need to grab one of their quarterbacks and I can tack on a late wide receiver or tight end from the other team, you know, or from the team with the quarterback. And now I've got a double stack with a bring back. And I took two guys that I liked at value in the first place. And I never got pushed off what I'm trying to do. So for me, like actually thinking a lot about correlation helps me never force correlation. So that's, so I the thing I don't really personally agree with is like, you know, framing it as what I'm thinking about in the draft. I'm thinking about correlation a lot. What I'm actually doing in a draft is not going to be, oh, correlation number one. Correlation can easily be, you know, a side element that, that plays into like, but Hey, this guy's an ADP value. That's one of the core principles. We're trying to, we're trying to uh, abide by. Well, he's also correlated. So sure. ADP value plus correlation smash that button, you know, or ADP and he's like my favorite player on the, or sorry, uh, correlated and my favorite player on the board. Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah. that one's a no brainer, but you know, or it's like I could really use a running back here and like, wow, this guy I'm already kind of building this, this uh, Chicago thing, uh, I'll take, I'll tack on Herbert. You know, that's right. It, it's not even like maybe someone pushed back on that even being a good correlation, but that's one thing I like, Hey, hey, the bears are going to be better than people think.
2: Okay. So, so you're always, you have correlation in mind at all times, but you're thinking about it within the context of all of those other factors uh, that, that Levitan mentioned in his tweet. You're, you're yes. still like, okay, those
3: okay. are still more important. Those yeah. are more important for sure. It, like, if you build a, I mean, one thing I was talking to Eric Pine for um, today on, on our show. And I was saying like, you know, just like if you were to build a team, that's all rookies because you're like, well, rookies come on at the end of the season. Right. And you have to win week 17 and you have to get to week 17. And so I'm just going to draft all rookies because that way my team will be peaking at the end of the season. It's like, well, okay. You're, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Right. Yeah. You know, but it's like, it's that kind of lever that you're pulling with correlation. You're doing something that's going to to pay off for when you get to the final, but like you do still have to build a team that is live to get to the final. And all of the elements that Adam lays out are the core principles of how you actually get to the final. But like, you know, a couple of the things like the ADP value and your own player evaluations, which he lists as being more important are two things, which may run contrary to one another. So you can, so like, how do you balance those? Well, one way you could balance those is correlation. You know, I love this guy, but here's an ADP value that's correlated. Take the guy, take the ADP value. You know, you might need, you might actually need help. I certainly do. Right. Like I, I am more on the player evaluation side of things. I don't like to take ADP value because I know better than the market. Okay. I know. Right. That's what, that's what I'm thinking. And even though I'm wrong and I should just take more of what the market's saying is right more often, I actually need the help getting there. So to me, correlation is like, yeah, dude, just take the ADP. Like, you know, it's a like humility. It's a humility booster. Sure. So, um, you know, but it can be the other way. If you're someone who doesn't really like you, you're more like, I want to be in line with the market. I want to have a balanced portfolio, but I love this guy. Well, anytime he's correlated, you know, take your right. stand. So.
2: All right. I like that. I like that response. All right. We've got four minutes left. So I'm going to ask one more question and then talk about your, uh, your final, uh, your your best win. Hannah asks, does he use a, do do you use a player pool when drafting best ball? What's your strategy when doing so? Do do you, are there any players that you will never draft that you remove from your player pool?
3: I don't remove anybody from the player pool, but I think the the market's like really sharp on underdog and that, you know, so no, I, and I, you know, and that would be, I don't want to do that. Because you never know, like you, like this guy's definitely not going to do anything. Like you don't know that, you know. Like right. Uh, Tyquan Thornton was uh, the my last pick in my winning team. That's he right. uh, was the, that was the only time I drafted him, and he was correlated. In that was he,
2: was he in your lineup? Your winning lineup?
3: He was in my winning lineup. He almost caught two touchdowns. Yeah, but the other one went to Kobe Myers, who was also in my lineup because uh, I built this this Patriots Dolphins thing. But I know right. I wouldn't have taken Thornton if I didn't build the the correlated thing.
2: Sure. All right, we got three minutes left. Tell me about your favorite win or win celebration.
3: Well, yeah. So this, as uh, as this baseball mania um, on Sunday, as as things were kind of kind of happening, um, there was a period of time where I think like Austin Eckler had like a long run, and then George Kittle caught a touchdown, and then Austin Eckler scored a touchdown and something else, and I vaulted from like I've been kind of hanging out all day around like 15th and then i vaulted up to like second on the back of that and i was just like <laughs> my girlfriend has been kind of you know like there's been times where i was like third in the red zone and then you know i fall down to 25th and it's sure. like it's i should definitely not have told her about it right. uh, i've had a couple uh small field gpp wins but you know like 10k uh top prize type of thing and a lot more times where i was like this is a sweat and then nothing happened yeah. But um, I was just like I couldn't like talk correctly. I was just like I'm running hot, <laughs> I'm running hot, babe. <laughs> That's all I That's could awesome. get out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then after that, Austin Eckler ran for that long touchdown, and that was the only way that I could have passed the guy uh, in first. Like yeah. he had me blocked. He had like a lot of the same. He had like Lockett and uh, some of the other guys that I still had alive, and. So Eckler going, then I went absolutely nuts. And then we got on stream and, and started uh streaming for Ship Chasing the rest of that Sunday sweat. So that was that was a ton of fun. And we had after um shortly after the win, we went away for like a scuba diving trip. Um, but we had already booked that in the summer. So that was kind oh, of delightful. Okay. It's like I already have this amazing. But now
2: you can make it fancy. Yeah,
3: fancier. now we can do it fancier, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So
2: I know you just went to, uh, to France. Was this in France? Is this scuba diving in France or is this something else?
3: The France thing was uh, a trip I did for my birthday a couple weeks okay. ago. Yeah. Um, this was a trip we went to Indonesia, uh, Rajam oh, cool. which is, uh, like kind of this very difficult to area uh, area to get to in Indonesia, which, uh, we then like lived out on a boat and just scuba dough for like 10 days, which has wow. been something I've wanted to do for a long time. And, we had thought about doing it maybe in 2020, but you know, then with the pandemic and everything, we uh, you know, it got put on the back burner and sure. we we're finally like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's make sure we do it. And so we planned it. And then after that, after the boat, we went to Vietnam and uh, I've been to Vietnam once for like a week in like 2017 and the food there is just so good. So we, we just ate like the whole trip. We were there for like five days and we basically just ate like an insane amount of food. Um, which is kind of what you want after like you're on a boat. The, the food is good on a boat, but it's not the best, you know, and it's this kind of things start to repeat over the course of 10 days. So you go sure. just get some insanely good food, um, really good beer in Vietnam too, by the way. it's a, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I've uh, never it's a beer bet, culture.
2: So maybe I'll check out Vietnam as well. So lots I of celebration, it. lots of celebrations when you win $2 million, you just travel the world. Sounds like. Um, yeah, it was
3: pre booked. It was pre booked.
2: All right. Producer Mike has to go. Uh, so we, we have to close out here, but Pat, thank you so much for coming on to high stakes episode 36. Where, where can people find you,
3: Pat? Yeah. Legendary upside. I, you know, I kind of tried to sneak in the pitch earlier, but for I sure. will pitch it again. You can get uh $30 off your first year at legendary upside.com slash early. Um, there's also a couple of promos that I'm running right now uh, that that early bird discounts available through July 18th. Um, and the, Right now, you can get a $50 underdog credit if you sign up and then you fill out a form. You got to give me your username, details on the site for that. But yeah, you sign up for $69. If you're playing on underdog, you'll get a $50 underdog credit in your account. I'm also partnering with Spike Week and get 40% off a Spike Week subscription uh, with promo code LEGUP as well. So pretty pretty awesome time to sign up. Uh, There's limited credits for the underdog. And the early bird discount only runs through July 18th. So if you're going to sign up, this is, this is the time to do it.
2: And Pat Corain on Twitter.
3: Pat Corain on Twitter. On
2: Twitter. Pat Corain. All right. Uh, th- thank you very much again, Pat Corain for joining me. Episode 36 of High Stakes. Thank you to Mike Lawrence for producing as always. And thank you for watching. You'll be able to catch episode 37 of High Stakes two weeks from today, uh, wherever you get your podcast or on the Stochastic YouTube channel.
1: Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. Just visit PrizePicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at PrizePicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club.